Welcome to The Mental Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Zuckman, and on The Mental Podcast, we talk about all of the ways there are to recover from mental illness and to support recovery from mental illness and mood disorders. Um, there's just so many things and, and, and people don't know. So this is an exploration. This is a journey. Um, this is a presentation um, of, of all of the things that help people heal. And those are things like nutrition, fitness. Yes, a lot of a lot of things like that, but from a mental illness perspective, so it's accessible to people. We're also talking about meditation. We're also talking about, you know, ex- you know, things like uh, for trauma, like exposure therapy and EMDR. Um, and one of the absolutely most critical pillars for my recovery that people don't talk very often about um, in self-care or even recovery work is finding a supportive community, a place where you belong, a place where you don't have to walk on eggshells, a place where you can just be yourself. Um, I have recently uh, been working on this. This has kind of been my autumn work is putting my nose to the grindstone and figuring out just how to find folks to connect with. And my guest today wrote a book, a manual, an in-depth guide to help people find community, you know, and, and her name is Jillian Richardson, and the book is called Unlonely Planet. Very often we become cynical, we become hardened, um, we just become, we just give up when it comes to um, finding community. You know, I'm 39 years old now. People around me, they all say the same thing. They're like, well, we, you know, people don't, people don't get together, um, you know, in their thirties, people are adulting. We, you know, once we're adults, um, we just, uh, watch Netflix and, and HBO and that's our social life just on text message or something. Um, Jillian is here to say, that's not true. There are things you can do to create a community, to find your community, to engineer your community in a way that's like learning a skill. You know, there are so many manuals on how to get in shape. There's so many, you know, books on uh, on meditation um, that are a step-by-step guide to help you learn a skill. Well, Jillian has created a step-by-step guide to teach people how to find community. This is honestly, I think, one of the most important mental health books that has been written in years, maybe since Body Keeps the Score. And I don't say that lightly, and I read a lot of mental health books, but, you know, like Body Keeps the Score, you know, everyone knows that that book, you know, it's it presents all of the options or many options of how to recover from trauma. And people take that book and they start trying things. They see, okay, it's possible to recover from mental illness or, or recover from trauma and an associated mental illness. Um... How do I start? Well, before we had Body Keep the Score, we didn't really know where to go. We didn't know what to try. We didn't know what to look up, right? Then once we had Body Keep the Score, you know, we had at least a beginner's manual of what to look for and how to start experimenting. Well, Unlonely Planet, is it, it, it does the same thing for people who are seeking community. Being able to find a community where I could just be has given me, has just exponentially increase the power of my own healing work in therapy, in EMDR, in my meditation. Um, 
and, and just and, and my social anxiety because once I have that place, that 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 place. I mean, some people would say a safe place. I don't I don't love that language, but just a place where I could just be. You know, once I have that, I can then take risks socially. I can ask, you know, the girl out who, uh, you know, is, is, is that I meet at the library or at the cafe, right? I can, I can, I can, you know, when, when I see somebody, you know, at the, at the gym and, and I, I can say, Hey man, you want to go for a run sometime? Like I can take that risk. And if the answer is no, it doesn't feel nearly as crushing because I know there's always that social place that I can go every week and I will be accepted, and uh, no matter what, I'm not going to be shunned. Um, you know, even if I'm a little rough around the edges, uh, I, it's going to be okay. And my social life doesn't hinge on every little interaction that I have out in the world. And, you know, being a person who deals with a severe mental illness, it's something I'm really nervous about, right? I'm like, Okay, these people are going to notice that I'm talking a little too fast. These people are going to notice that I'm a little too excited. These people are going to notice that maybe I'm a little too effeminate. I'm not like super dude, Seattle guy, kayak guy. Um, I have a, you know, I walk around with a therapy cat, you know. Like I'm a little bit nervous that people are going to see me and they're going to be like, Oh, that's a guy. That's a crazy guy, right? That's that's my worry a lot, and that own internal stigma. You know, the answer for me for that was finding the community that I know I can just be in. And um, Jillian has written this amazing guide. You got to buy this book. You got to look it up. Um, I know we we pitch the book um, a lot in the podcast, and we will in the outro. But uh, I really have not been this excited about a mental health project in a long time. So um, I am just so thrilled and so happy to have uh, Jillian participating in the podcast. And, um, you know, I hope you find it valuable. Um, If you do find the podcast valuable, uh, check us out, mentalhealthmedia.org. Please support our efforts. Um, There's a GoFundMe right now. All donations are tax deductible. We really appreciate it. It keeps uh, this project alive and uh, keeps us going as uh, as we expand um, over the next year. And uh, simple disclaimer, as always, don't change anything. in your uh, mental health care plan based on anything on the podcast. You have to talk to your licensed medical um, health care practitioner, and that's not me, and that's not anybody on the podcast. you got to talk to your person who knows your circumstances, who knows your history, before we make any changes whatsoever. Um, that said, I am just so excited and so privileged and so stoked to bring you Jillian Richardson, author of Unlonely Planet. Unlonely Planet. It's about finding people um, to be with and to fight isolation. It's kind of like, um, you know, we talk, there's all this conversation in Silicon Valley about biohacking where you go off into your own little corner and figure out your chemistry and your diet and everything. This is about hacking your social life. Yeah, well, thank you for just emphasizing how important connection is. Because like you said, I feel like it's so easy to talk about all of the things that we can do on our own as individuals to improve our health. But actually the number one factor that's directly connected to a long lifespan is the amount of connection that you have. 
and that people who are lonely, they have seven years taken off of their lifespan. So it's just as bad as being an excessive drinker, being obese. Like they're exactly the same, but this is a theory that I have. It's not necessarily proven, but that we don't talk as much about the importance of connection because it's not really a monetizable thing that it's like, well, you could pay for this diet plan or you could get a membership to this gym or you could just call your friends every day. <laughs> like, So I really just wrote this book as a way to let people know how important deep, meaningful connection is and that if you don't have a religion, like I don't have a religion, the number one religion in America right now is none, that we kind of have to patchwork together our own sense of community, which is in the book, I call it a healthy congregation, meaning a friend group that is so rich and committed to each other that it has a lot of the same qualities of a church congregation. Right, right. I saw that in your book. Um, before we get into that, I do want to say, just from the mental health perspective, there has been there have been some um, studies about recovery rates and isolation. And when you are isolated, your the recovery rates are just in the toilet. It's it is shocking. I don't remember. I probably should have looked up the statistic. I can I can link it in the show uh, in the show notes. But there is just a huge difference if you are connected to a community. Um, you have so you have a much better chance of recovering and if you are isolated it is just it is so much harder and it's, it is something uh, you talk about um you know the Sebastian Younger's uh, tribe in your book a little bit and uh we you know when you look at recovery rates between the developing world and our hyper tech isolated world people get better from mental illness in even in developing countries that you wouldn't think but they're more connected so they have a better chance of recovering mm -hmm. which speaks so much to our culture that that I love that portion of his book because the point that he's essentially making is we think that our culture is so much more advanced and that we like we have things more figured out than people in developing nations when really we just have more money but everything else we're kind of messing up horribly yeah, I mean, you feel it. If I remember the first time, uh, well, I f there was a couple of first times. I remember the first time I went to severe poverty in the Davari slum in India, where you know, I it was I had my own idea, my own prejudice of what going to one of the poorest places in the world would be, um, and I was scared. I had uh, a driver. I'm like, can you come in with me? Can you the Sikh guy was really cool. I'm like, he's like, no, just go. You're fine. I'm going to take a nap. I'm like, okay. And it was like, I thought I was going to get torn apart being a first worlder. And I went into this shanty town where people were just building upon shacks and living literally on top of each other. But the vibe was one of ease and even like optimism. And just, there was a serenity that you don't find in the streets of New York city. Oh um, yeah, and, and, I imagine and that. And and people's body language, people were present and upright. You know, people weren't hunched over, like over their phones. It was like a whole different energy. And I was like, something is different here. Um, you know, and you can feel it if you go. You can feel what we're missing. 
Um, and I've been like ruminating on this for like a decade since I started traveling like that. I'm like, what is that? And your book really dives into this a lot um, to figure out exactly what the hell it is and how do we create it for ourselves. Thank you. No, I think that's, that's a really beautiful point. And I'm curious. So when you were in this village and you experienced this feeling, when you came back to the States, did you do anything differently? <sighs> did I do anything? It's been a long time now, but um, I don't think so. It was just more of like, I was feeling, I, I was just being aware of that loss. You know, I, I just, it, it didn't, I've been thinking about that and it's been like tangible for me since I felt it, since I went and I felt that connection and I came back and I just felt that isolation. Um, you know, and it was before, you know, I mean, I think iPhone three was out already, but it was before even this next wave where now everybody's on it. Um, and now it's even worse. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's real. And once it's tangible, it's something you want to create. And so you, you talk a lot about, um, we, we had these communities in our spiritual practices for so long. People aren't doing that anymore, but you're saying you don't have to go to church. It's not, you're, you're not telling people everyone's got to go to the church they didn't like, or their synagogue they didn't like as a teenager. Yeah, that you don't have to go back to organized religion if that doesn't feel right for you, but that we need to replace organized religion with something that's just as meaningful. Because when you think about it, like church done well, I know everyone can have their issues with organized religion, but in its best form, you have a place where you go every week, you're connected to something that's higher than yourself, you're meeting new people, you have shared values, if something goes wrong in your life, there's people who are automatically going to be there to help you out. You have ways to help other people. And it's just kind of a really great catch-all for a bunch of things that just help us feel supported and grounded and loved. And then when you take all of that away, it's like, all right, now I need to find a few things because there isn't a thing anymore that's going to give me all of that probably in one place. And so that's what the book is talking about is different ways that you can create your own really meaningful sense of community and also talking about how it is a privilege to be able to really do that because it takes time. It takes energy. It takes a lot of the places that I mentioned in the book. If you're not an able-bodied person, it's going to be harder to get access to these spaces so that there is even, even within what I'm talking about, I'm like, also, unfortunately, not everyone's going to be able to do this, which is why loneliness can also be such a problem in our country is if you're a person who is homebound and you don't have a strong community, yeah, you're not going to be able to go to an ecstatic dance in your town. For sure. For sure. And that is kind of, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a person that was, I got prescribed way too many psych meds and was physically disabled for the better part of a decade. Ended up with chronic fatigue syndrome. It was a disaster. Um, but I'm actually starting to do work with my local synagogue um, about bringing that community to people who actually are housebound because there are a couple of us that did have chronic illnesses and have recovered enough to like tell the community, hey, community, 
you got to give these people some love and access to uh, to each other so they don't feel that way. So that is a project I'm actually working on. It's really interesting um, that you're saying that. But I, I, I like how in your book you say, you know what, this takes doing. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lo- a lot of time in our uh, mental health, uh, I don't know, just in kind of the zeitgeist, there's, there's kind of um, this feeling of, you know, however it is, is fine. And this like, super acceptance and sometimes that's okay like if you're feeling super depressed and you're feeling in crisis you don't want to push anything but i've been ruminating a lot i'm like okay when is it appropriate to push and you know i would say i got my legs back where i could actually be mobile and rely on my own body probably about six months ago and i just came to this conclusion i said you know what i'm not just going to let it be i was a tv producer for a long time I'm going to figure out how to produce a social life or I'm going to die trying. Mm. So I, every weekend I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to find some community and I'm going to just go out. I'm going to ask somebody to go dancing with me or go to a show and I am just going to get my butt out. And I have, it took about two months, but I have found this uh, activist synagogue that I'm going to, which is great, which I feel at home in a way that I don't anywhere else in Seattle. I can actually be my talking too fast, slightly effeminate, um, uh, a mile a minute um, self, and people don't go, <laughs> oh, what's with this guy? Oh, is a new other New Yorker? Oh, he's too weird. I, you know, I feel <laughs> totally at home. And then the other, the other community I found was like this local professional wrestling fan group, which has just been amazing. So wow. T- t- tell me about, I mean, what, what, what were your thoughts on that? Because that is a huge, that was a, such a turning point for me personally, where I said, you know what, this is going to take doing. I can't sit back and let this happen. How did you come to that realization? Well, it's such an amazing point because that's, I had the exact same, not the exact same story as you, but in terms of finding community that for a while I was kind of in spaces where I didn't feel like I belonged. And it was really confusing for me because I was doing the things that everyone says you should do to make friends, which is like in New York, you're going out to bars. I was doing a lot of improv comedy. I was going to a lot of comedy shows, but my relationships still felt very surface level. And I felt kind of trapped in my relationships that I wasn't happy with them, but I'd gotten into such a pattern of only being around one type of person, one space, because it's all I'd done in college was go to bars and be at comedy stuff. And I realized, like, all right, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone and start just showing up at stuff that I've never been to before with people I've never met by myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm an extroverted person, so it was a little bit easier for me. But it's still – it's awkward. And it's funny because – this is the thing that we talk about in, in our romantic lives all the time. Like, oh yeah, and dating, you're going to go out with people and they're not going to be the right fit for you. And that's not about you. That's just how it goes. But in terms of friendship, you typically don't hear people talking about like, oh yeah, I went on like a friend date or I was trying to find a community and I felt like I couldn't find the right fit. And I feel like there's something wrong with me because I can't find friends but that's a super common experience that people like me had shame around because I'd never been taught the skills to actually be like, okay, what are my interests? What kind of people do I feel supported by and lit up by? And where am I going to find them? 
and not every community is going to be the right fit for me. And that's normal. But I could have very easily shut down and been like, wow, okay, I went to this thing. I felt like everyone was too cool. I didn't have any good conversations. So I'm just going to stick in exactly what I'm used to and assume this is as good as it gets. When really there was this whole other beautiful world of communities. And I just luckily stuck it out until I really found the people that I was looking for. But people mm-hmm. need to know that's possible. So what? So did you find, was there a moment when you were like, I can make this happen and I just have to figure out what it is so I can share it? Was there, was there a certain well, moment? Well, so first it started with me finding my own people where mm-hmm. I decided I was going to take a summer and just go to a bunch of stuff by myself. So I went to music festivals by myself. I went to uh, like a kind of mini regional Burning Man thing. Uh, And actually none of those were my vibe. I went to like three separate entire weekends that I was like, these are not my people. Um, And then I went to this thing called Camp Grounded, which was a digital detox summer camp for adults. And it just blew my brain open, right? It was just suddenly, and this was also right after I'd graduated from college So I barely even had any experience like hanging out with adults. Um, And it was just these people who were so open, so playful, because it makes sense. These are the types of people who are willing and excited to go to like a four day long sober weekend without their phones where they're just there to play and have fun. And... It just made me realize what was possible in the world of friendship. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know I could be that open with people or have that much fun or be just kind of not be self-conscious. And it, it took finally just being in the right environment and that that environment was created for us, which is why I love talking about things with facilitated connection because I really think that one we're not taught the social skills necessarily to really bond with other people and to, to break those walls down. So having someone who's created that container for everyone to say, Hey, here are some rules. This is how we're going to speak to each other. I'm going to set the bar for vulnerability to let you know you're all safe and this is okay. And then magic can happen. But in my experience, it's difficult to get people to that space when they don't know each other if there's not that container set already. Right. But even just to find the space that worked for you, you had to go, you had to fail a few times. You had to like find things that weren't a match, a few things. And then eventually you found one that worked. This is exactly was my same experience. And it's so important. I mean, this goes a lot to what how I, you know, talk about mental health on this platform where there is just this kind of cynicism around mental health. It's like if you've been on meds, if you've done talk therapy for a few years, that's about what your experience is going to be. If you haven't gotten 100 percent better, that's what it is. You might as well just accept it and move on. And we're kind of in a similar place with our own loneliness and isolation. And there's just a huge crossover here where the people that are hurting the most by it, I've said it, I hear people in my life say it, they're like, well, people don't hang out anymore. Well, people just watch Netflix. Well, this is our new society. And there's a cynicism and they just accept it. But 
there's another possibility that I have not heard anyone not only talk about so eloquently, but then also create like a workbook for people to figure out how to do it for themselves, which is amazing. So how, what is the first thing people need to do? Like, okay, so you, 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 do you need that facilitated space? Do you need to only find that? Are there other places you can go? How do you start? Yeah. Great question. So it's funny because for me, what I'm about to say sounds so simple, but it's also something that I've gotten completely used to doing. So it's way less scary for me, but it's publicly asking for help. Like Mm, the mm -hmm. first thing that I recommend, and this is easier if someone is moving to a new city or something like that, but this applies to anyone who just wants to create more connections in their life is to just post on like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you love and be like, Hey, I'm moving to Seattle. I Mm -hmm. love rustling and meditation. I want to meet people who are into those things. Who do you got for me? And people love to help. This is a thing that I've had so many people in my life tell me that they've started publicly asking for help because they see how often I do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Great. But that, yeah, people, it's such an easy, easy thing for someone to be like, oh yeah, my friend Katie lives in Seattle. She loves wrestling. You should talk to her. Or if you don't know what your interests are necessarily, if you just know you want to meet good people, say, hey, either like I'm moving to Seattle, I live in Seattle, who are the connectors here that I should meet? Because Mm -hmm. there's every city has those people of people like me and probably like you in the mental health space who just know a shit ton of people and are like, oh, yeah, um, I know that you should go to this venue, this venue, talk to this person, talk to this person. And already you have people to chat with, you have things to do, and that's way less intimidating than just showing up at an event by yourself. It's a way easier thing to do. Sure, sure, sure. And it's like, I mean, I a lot of what I did, the pitfall I got into was I was like, well, meetup.com is the site for this. And if I don't find anything there, I'll give up. <laughs> I think a lot of people do yes. that. That's why I started my newsletter is because, and so for people who don't have the contacts, I, I send out a weekly newsletter in New York City of events that you can go to by yourself and leave with a new friend. And called so Joylist. Called the Joylist. Mm-hmm. Every event has a moment of facilitated connection. I would say maybe 1% of the events on this newsletter are from Meetup. Most of them Mm. are events that my friends host, things that are on Facebook, things that are on Eventbrite, or things that aren't even on a ticketing platform that you just show up. But Mm. Meetup, Mm -hmm. as much as like some of the gatherings are amazing, a lot of them are not. And so it's honestly, I would not recommend it as a first outlet Uh, instead, what I would recommend is going either on Facebook discovery, like Facebook event discovery, or on Eventbrite, there's a filter for events that just says community, where it's like, I want to go to an event on Wednesday. And then there's a drop down for types of events. And there's literally a filter for community. So you know that there's going to be some sort of warmer, fuzzier vibe there than like a random business networking event at the very least. Right, right, right. That makes sense. I don't know. There's just in this town, um, it seems like the meetup is just so basic. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like the meetup 
vibe of the of the website just seems to take over the event. It's like it just there's just like somehow it cannot be cool <laughs> because it was oh, on yeah. Meetup. I don't know what that is. It's so it just sets the it just sets the tone. It's a huge problem. <laughs> it's I've I've been at things like that before and it's like, yeah, if I was feeling really lonely and I showed up at this thing and this was like my hope, I would be pissed. Yeah, you feel worse because then you're like, yeah. oh well I tried and this but this is the this is the lesson. If there's one lesson, it's just like it takes doing and it will click if you keep working it. Um, like yeah. any other skill or or you know getting in shape or learning how to med any other like this is a skill. You're teaching mm -hmm. a social skill on how to connect groups, really. Yeah. And it's learnable. You know, it's not just society is a certain way. You're screwed. You're teaching people that this is a skill that they can develop. Yeah. And. The thing that I I love to say is just create the community that you want to see. Like we all have the power to vision a better world. Like it's very easy to focus on the problems and to say like exactly what you said, like, oh, adult, it's really hard to make friends as an adult. Nobody hangs out anymore. Everyone just watches Netflix after work. You're like, hey, what if in my world, me and all of my friends, like, one of us hosts something every week. Like I have three friends in this city. I host a dinner party one week. This person does something the next week and this person does something the other week. And then we all have something to do once a week for the entire month. Like, mm -hmm. And it feels really scary and vulnerable to ask other people to commit to doing something. But mm -hmm. that's, that's the second tip that I always give people is to just, and again, this is vulnerable, but to say to someone like, hey, I think you're really awesome. I know both of our schedules can be totally crazy and all over the place. And I want to prioritize our friendship. So how do you feel about making sure we see each other once a month? Mm, like a mm -hmm. super low risk, or it doesn't necessarily feel low risk, but you're just saying to someone, hey, I think you're rad. Want to spend time together? Mm -hmm. And if they say no, then that's a gift because you know that they're not going to prioritize your relationship. And if they say yes then you actually have a reason to meet up every month. And it's a mm -hmm. very easy place to start with people. Mm -hmm. um, and something I want to talk a little bit about is, uh, so you talk a lot, a little bit about friendships and this is kind of going to that friendship zone. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so you you have a couple of, of ways to, you're talking about, you say practice vulnerability, practice positivity and practice consistency. Can you tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that? Yeah. So those came from this wonderful woman named Shasta Nelson, who I love her story. She used to be a pastor and then had a moment where she realized that she was not creating as much change in her church as she wanted to. And she would actually be better off as a coach outside of her church because she could teach women how to deepen their relationships. Cause that was the biggest problem she saw in her church was that people had no idea how to form connections outside mm. of professional relationships. And so she became a friendship coach. And those are the three things that she talks about in relationship is that you want to be vulnerable. You want to be consistent. And this is the thing that I, I feel like there's a caveat to it, which is being positive, which of course, I think it's really important to say that within a good friendship, you need to also be able to be messy with them and 
say that things aren't going well, but with the balance of you don't want to be in that space all of the time. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you're in the mental health space. So you understand how tricky that is to navigate of like, you don't want to be faking your emotional state. And if you're severely depressed, it's going to be really difficult to say like, Hey, be more positive with your friends. Mm -hmm. But to start in a lighter way. And the Mm -hmm. reason she shared that was she, um, she'd been facilitating a weekly circle at a church and she noticed that their the first prompt they gave was something like share something really great in your life right now and really terrible like something mm. that like your your biggest joy and your biggest struggle and people were sharing super intense shit like right from the start and it brought the in- entire energy of the group down because they were already starting from such a really dense difficult place And so I am pretty sure what she's trying to emphasize is to just start on a little bit of a lighter note and Mm -hmm. get to that dark stuff eventually, but don't start with that because that defines the conversation. Well, I think, you know, with depressed people, we don't always like talking about our, our, our own brains all the time. It's actually kind of nice if someone, (laughs) if we have a friendship, we're like, I don't have to talk about all this stuff. Of course, there are people that need to vent, and that's appropriate at certain times. But, oh, I couldn't tell you at my worst if I could just have a couple of friends. It's like that could just accept where you are. Because a lot of times that kind of sharing is because people can't hear it. And, like, if you could just be like, okay, tell me how you're doing and actually have an openness for how a depressed person is doing. Yeah. Then you can move on and talk about wrestling for the and, and hockey for the rest of the, uh, there you the go. conversation. And uh, I think that would be um, fantastic. But uh, one thing that I struggle in, you know, because I was in a bad spot for a long time. And I really didn't have intentional friendships. So, like, I ended up with a lot of friendships that, uh, you know, were really unequal. And people kind of treating me like crap, you know? Yeah. So, it's like boundaries, having your boundaries in your relationships are really important. Because you can feel really lonely in your own, even in friendships, if you don't know what your boundaries are. And you don't have the self-confidence to to say, hey, I don't want to be put down like that or have someone that's inconsistent or have someone that's like really, you know, venting all the time. That's all they have or, you know, and, and, and is totally not vulnerable. Um, you have any tips for that for someone that's like, I'm have friendships. Should people keep their friendships that are, I don't know, kind of crappy. Well, I'm really curious for you because it sounds like this was a past tense thing. What happened with those relationships? I don't know. I'm still working on it. <laughs> this, is, this is why I'm asking the question. You're like, please, God, help me. This, is, this one's for me. This one's for me. Yeah, this is stuff that I'm still working out. I mean, some people get busy, you know, and they have, uh, they get, you know, they having kids. You know, I'm I'm in my late 30s already, so, you know, there are a lot of people that have kids. I mean, for me, it's like I'm trying to give people space and not overemphasize and not overcommit and try to match people's own. If someone's, like, got a lot of stuff going on, I try to match their own commitment um, because my tendency is to just people please and show up when other people don't show up and be the the person that calls when no one else calls and like show up when it's hard for me, but they never come over, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Totally. So that's something I'm trying to heal on my own. I just was wondering if that's something you ever thought about. Oh my God. I So actually, this was a thing that I wrote about in my newsletter maybe, I think it was three weeks ago, because mm-hmm. I've been really working on my communication and talking about things, even when they're uncomfortable or even when I think it might upset the other person. Uh, but mm-hmm. what happened was a female friend in my life was upset with me because she wanted to have a really consistent relationship and she wanted to be kind of like checking in with each other on a really deep level a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was not communicating with her as much as she was communicating with me. And mm. it was funny because when I tell people this story, they're always like, wow, this sounds like a breakup because we had to sit down with each other and say, instead of just kind of ghosting each other and floating apart, mm-hmm. like right now we have different needs for this friendship. And mm. I have no idea what my schedule is five days from now. And to be pretty brutally honest and say like, listen, I have four really close friends and one lover who I am prioritizing right now. And I'm prioritizing my work. And I can't go to the depth that you want at the consistency that you want right now. And then it was up to her of how she wanted to continue the friendship. Mm. And she made the decision to just not talk anymore. Mm. How did you know it was a problem that you needed to talk about? Because most people, I think, just kind of, they do they do the ghosting or they do the drifting. Yeah. How did you know it was something to confront? And how did you have the space to do that? So we send each other voice messages a lot. And mm-hmm. she sent me a message essentially being like, hey, I noticed that we haven't talked in a while. I'm curious like, if there's a reason for that or if you've just been really busy. So she was brave enough to ask me that question and just make an observation. Like she wasn't accusatory. She was, this is why I love friends who are great communicators. She was just like, hey, I'm noticing this thing. Like, is there anything that you want to talk about? And that started us getting into kind of where I was in my own career and me being honest about how overwhelmed and stressed out I felt and her talking about how kind of abandoned she felt and that to talk about the stories that she was having about how she was thinking like, oh, I had this career success and so now I thought I was better than her or that I didn't like her at all or I never liked her. And it's really fascinating because I feel like these are the kinds of conversations that people only have in their romantic relationships mm-hmm. when really friendships, has they have just as many nuances. Sure. And it's so easy to just not have that uncomfortable conversation. Like, I could have really easily been like, oh, no, nothing's going on. Like, I'll make sure I get back to you next week and then just keep not meeting her friendship needs. But mm-hmm. instead, we both just got uncomfortable and faced it head on and talked about it. Mm-hmm. That is, is that in your book, the, those kinds of conversations? I don't know if I got that to that place. Nope. That, no. Because <laughs> this the extended happened. Version. Yeah, the, the new extended version. Because this was really just like this month. But oh, exactly wow. what you said about boundaries, that is a thing I would love to add. Because I'm talking to some publishers about republishing this book to be to distribute it more widely. 
And that's a conversation I would love to include is boundary setting and also tapping into your own desires, because I feel like that's a, that's totally connected to boundaries is knowing, okay, well, not what I'm going to tolerate, but what is it that when I think about it, like I smile, imagining this type of life for myself, because a lot of people have never taken the time to do that or even let themselves imagine like what types of friendships would be really just like delicious and amazing and fun for me. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's a, that's another thing. I mean, that that's my next, that's going to be my next uh, kind of work. First is getting into these groups. Next will be the friendships. Um, but going back to the groups, I, I took some of your advice. I was going through your book. I, I'm going to go through it like line by line. I, you know, <laughs> I went through it, you know, as much as I could do in like three or four hours. But, um, this, I'm so excited about this work that I'm really going to be digging in deeper, but I did in the, in the limited amount that I could absorb in that amount of time, <laughs> I took some of your advice head on and I want to tell you what happened. Oh my God, so, please tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one thing you say is for socially, um, or for, you know, more introverted per- people or people who are of social anxiety, you talk about, you know, something you can do is volunteer. Yes. Now, um, so the, my first bit is like, I just, I, for my first, the first thing I did to get out of isolation and people have to understand that I was so isolated. I have like, I had like years where I would just have a few conversations. Like I had severe social isolation because I was housebound for a long time and I did not have social interactions and it was terrible. So to go from that state where it's like, you know, you've been living on the moon for years to integrating into a city where, you know, you don't totally fit in because it's a totally different kind of culture, which New York to Seattle is polar opposites. It has taken a lot for me to do that. So the first thing I did was to, you know, realize, okay, this is something I can do. This is an action that I can take and it's going to take a commitment and it's going to take, keep, I'm going to have to keep showing up and I'm going to have to keep hammering at it. So that was the first thing I did. So I started going to this underground wrestling thing and uh, like I love punk- that that was the first thing you did. First, so I was synagogue. First was synagogue, and that is a conversation <laughs> I want to have too. I went to wrestling. I didn't know anyone. I went twice, sitting by myself, and I took out my phone. I just started friending all of the wrestlers on Twitter. I just started following all of the wrestlers on Twitter and trying to like <laughs> inter- interact with them. And eventually, I found somebody who was an organizer. Who um, I, and I told him, I'm like, look. I don't have any friends here. I want to keep coming to wrestling, but I don't know anybody. That person, Matt Farmer, who uh, organizes the Defy organization here, put out an ask on their local like Facebook group. Hey, Jesse's new in town. Uh, he needs wrestling friends. It was the nicest thing people had ever done. But if I didn't reach out and make that request, right, or, yeah. or just say, just tell somebody, an organizer, where I was, like, right, like that's something you talk. Like I found the hub, the person who connects people told him my situation, told him I wanted to connect with people who are wrestling fans. Then he put out the request, and then I had, like, all of these incoming friend invites on Facebook to be friends with these wrestling fans. Oh, my so that God. I, that, I'm, that like I did tearing without, up. Oh, but this is, I mean, this changes my life. Like, that, that, that was the nicest thing anybody has done for me since I've, like, in my recovery. Like, I was like, this changes everything, because now I have a place, right? Yeah. So, so that was... 
before I read your book, then I read your book and I saw, okay, if you have so, you know, about the volunteers and volunteered to stuff. And I was like, okay, I've kind of done a lot of what is in this book. Um, but I haven't asked a volunteer at the wrestling thing. I wonder what will happen if I asked a volunteer at the wrestling thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, so I just, I, I says now I'm, I am, you know, DMing with some of the organizers. Hey, do you need a volunteer? So, and they're like, well, if you really want anyway, Tomorrow, I am setting up a wrestling ring, which I've never done, and I'm just very excited about it, and I know I'm going to be, like, sweating with all of these other up-and-coming wrestlers, or not other, but, like, other, you know, these young wrestlers, people running the thing, and now I'm going to be, like, in the mix of this wrestling show in a way that just wouldn't have been possible if I just bought a ticket and sat on the sidelines. Like, now I'm going to have, now I'm really going to have connections. Um... And I'm just so excited about that because it goes from something that's like, oh, I'm going to have like one foot in, one foot out to tomorrow. I'm going to be part of the crew because yeah. I asked a volunteer and it's going to have this whole other experience that like, you know, this is this is the, the delicious dreamland for me because now <laughs> I'm going to be a volunteer in something I am really passionate about. Oh, my God. I am grinning <laughs> so big right now. Yeah. Just like yes. what hearing the excitement in your voice <laughs> like anyone who is listening take note because it's and that also i'm sure already the organizers love you because it's so rare for someone to be like hey i love your thing how can i help you like right. that's such an amazing thing to do but exactly like you said by asking you're now connected directly to the organizer and also what what helped me when I was volunteering, I was volunteering at a lot of meditation events in the city, is that people see you on the crew or on the volunteer team or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is a person who can help me. So they might ask you questions. That's helping you start conversations with people. If you're checking people in, I, I love checking people in at events because then you already know like a lot of people's names when you're going in. You have an in to talk to anyone in the space because you did this really simple thing. And like you said, you get to talk to all the other volunteers and all the organizers. So you're now connected to people who are really well connected in this space and also other people who are volunteering and they're volunteering because they want to meet other people. <laughs> Right. And then you and then when you're looking for friends for like those one offs, I mean, this is where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to I'll report back with how I do over the next few weeks. <laughs> but but now now you're in a space where you're looking at other people who show up. They're committed people. They love something you love. I mean, it doesn't have to be wrestling. It could be baseball. It could be it could be hockey. It could be meditation. It could be yoga. It could be anything. But you're already dealing with people that have some level of integrity to like schedule their lives and show up about something that you love too, which is going to be so much better than people that are like, yeah, I kind of like something. I kind of go out. And then like, you know, in, in, uh, Al-Anon or adult children of alcoholics and a lot of the 12 step programs, there's a saying that I totally love, which is you don't get oranges at the hardware store. Mm -hmm. Right. So which is like, if you are looking for love and camaraderie and people that don't have love and camaraderie to give you're just going to be making yourself nuts so yeah. you know the first i you know i just see you know the volunteer thing as just being so awesome because okay the vol volunteering where other people are showing up you're going you're going to go get a hammer at the hardware store or at least like <laughs> 
in that direction, you know, because the people are there. These are people who care and they're going to be doing stuff. Yeah. That's, that's such a great point is that like, again, speaking to whoever is listening, like what kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to feel? Where are the spaces where those people hang out? And like, for me, one of the first communities that I joined in New York city, uh, was called Medi club. And it's this monthly meditation event. And the first time I went, I had no idea how like trendy this event was that like I walked in, it was, and this was when I didn't volunteer. This was my first one. I walked in room of like 200 people, the most well-dressed, gorgeous people I'd ever seen. This is like New York city. And I was so intimidated, but the event itself was so well done that the facilitators were super vulnerable. Every event, they share a story from their lives. They get people into groups of three or four, and you have a small group conversation. And so I went from feeling really anxious to feeling really connected. And so the next event, I decided to volunteer. And I checked people in. And I checked people in every month for probably a year. And then they started a small meditation group kind of like self-run organization. And so I started running meditation circles for entrepreneurs because I wanted to meet other people who were self-employed. And then they started a committee of leaders for MediClub, the actual organization. And then Jesse Israel, the guy who runs MediClub and this bigger organization called The Big Quiet became a mentor for me. And like his quote is on the back of my book. Like... <laughs> And none of this stuff would have happened if I'd just gone to one of their events and was like, well, these people are too cool for me. Like, right. peace out forever. Right, 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 right. Okay, so we know you got to show up. You got to keep doing it. You know, kind of go towards, uh, you know, the facilitated events if you can. Mm -hmm. Um you know, have boundaries and know what you want. What else do people need to know as they're getting out into the world? What else do people need to know? I mean, I really just think the most important thing is that loneliness is super common. Mm -hmm. Like 70% of Americans, or sorry, no, the average American has one close friend and 75% of Americans are not satisfied with their friendships. So mm -hmm. chances are like anyone you stop on the street, three out of four of those people wish they had deeper, more committed relationships, but right. no one talks about this. So it's super mm -hmm. easy. Like it was for me to feel kind of shamed and embarrassed that I didn't know how to deeply connect with people. When in reality, most people feel this way. So if this, process is difficult for you and it feels hard and it seems like everyone around you is having a really easy time surrounding themselves by tons of people that's it's probably fake like mm -hmm. when this is another thing that's just to to look at people's social media accounts right. the thing that for me even just in my own personal life like if there's a picture of me at a party with a ton of people 
Like that picture might look awesome and I might look really cool because I'm with like a hundred people. But usually, not all the time, but usually a really big event like that, I'm not going to feel super deeply connected to anyone. And the times when I'm the most connected are my one-on-one or super tiny small group hangs with friends Mm -hmm. where there are no pictures. We're not posting this on social media. And so if you see those things online and you're starting to feel kind of jealous, like know that that event is probably not as great as it looks. Right, right. That's something you t- I heard you on the on the Very Ape podcast, which everyone should uh, subscribe to. Um, <laughs> yes. The Very Ape uh, podcast with uh, Sean Dunn and Cass Greener, uh, directors of, and producers of uh, Juggalo, um, American Juggalo, Florida Man, uh, Oxiana, etc. Go uh, subscribe over at VeryApe.tv. Um, <laughs> but you're, you're you're talking about like you went you went to the parties that you had in your imagination of what the hot New York life would look like. You were there and you were still lonely. Oh, totally. I was like, like I've literally been on a yacht with like some of the like sexiest, most wealthy people in New York city, like a thousand people on a yacht dressed in these crazy costumes. Like if Mm -hmm. you saw that Instagram story, you'd be like, Holy shit, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. But it's a thousand people on a super loud boat. Like, mm-hmm. if this is my judgment, maybe for some people this isn't true, but like, I wasn't on any psychedelics. I wasn't drunk. I was sober. And it was a super fucking awkward experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, for, I mean, I. I hear, you know, this about, I, I hear that from religious people. I mean, you, you actually mentioned the psychedelic Jews in your, in your book. And like the, the thing that I hear about people who have left or, or, you know, Orthodox religions or like religions, like old school religions is that they have that longing and that even when they go, uh, I, I've heard it so many times that like, even when people, when people leave, they miss that intimacy and, um, you know, from religious people, I've, you know, they value, at least people that I know, they value hanging out in groups of like two, three, four guys. Um, and, you know, and, and they bond and they go on adventures together and it's just them versus the world. And it's like, you know, like we see that stuff in like stranger things or like every, you know, it and like every, you know, lean on me. It's just like, you know, you got the group of, of kids, but you can do that as adults too. It exists. Um, if you can create it. Um, and those are the friendships you don't see on social media. Cause for those people, it's super normal. Like, but so it's, it's easy to forget that a lot of people have those types of relationships when they're not represented online. Mm, yeah, and if you're even like that connected and engaged, are you really thinking about the selfie and the perfect picture? You know, um, it just it might just not look like the wild wild party. So that's something to consider also. Is like people are turning on. I think this is a brand new conversation for people. For so many people who are like, I really think so many people have just given up. Like especially, like, I have not. I have never talked. I talk to patients. Every single day, I talk to new people. I have never heard of somebody going, oh, you know what? I'm going to find friends, and I'm, these are the things I'm going to do. 
I talk to people every day and they're like, oh, I used to have friends and it's just, it's, it's, it's over now. So it's like, there's yeah. so much to think about. But as people are digesting this, it's like, because it's such a new conversation, it might not look like what you think it's going to look like, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and, uh, so this is something I did, I, I, I know, uh, you've got to go, but this is something that I want to rewind just a little bit about, um, uh, because you do talk about, um, at the beginning of your book, how, you know, quintessential to our society and civilization religion was, um, you know, what I found, I, I grew up, I didn't, I grew up, um, we had a connection to a synagogue that was a reform synagogue. It was really kind of strict. It was really like hyper rah rah Israel. Um, I just did not feel connected to it as a child. And you know, now I have found it's you know a, a, a reconstructionist Judaism, which is like a social justice, um, kind of you know very um, open, queer centric for a lot of their programming. Um, it is a different world, but it still, it still has the rituals. It still has the singing. It still has a lot of that connection that you write about, but it's totally different. It's totally a mutated version, um, of religion. And there's a lot of those things that people don't realize. So you might not like religion, but you know, there might be, you know, a UU church you might want to try. Um, if you're, if you're a Jew like me, send me a message over at Zookman. I'll, I'll send you a whole bunch of we're Jewish groups that are fantastic that have a lot of these pillars, um, but uh, you know uh, are totally different in their values and the way they connect. It's everything. Yeah, and it's funny because so since the book has come out, this is like so counter to the book. But I actually have started going to church. <laughs> mm, okay, what kind of church are you going to? Uh, so I'm going to Judson Memorial Church in New York City which it's hilarious because I have been to so many events there and I did not realize that it is an actual church as well. Like they really need to improve their branding because it's where ecstatic dance happens in New York city. Uh, And they also have a lot of psychedelic gatherings that happen at this church. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so yeah, they have churches, church service on Sundays. And exactly like you said about yours, it's really queer friendly. The pastor is a gay man, like a married gay man. Everyone starts by saying their pronouns. They're really into social justice. <laughs> awesome. And it's, a, this is a whole different conversation, but just quickly, a thing that I've really been thinking about is how, like myself included, a lot of people's spiritual journeys are very insular. And it's kind of all about like, oh, how can I improve my own spirituality How can I patchwork together what works for me? Uh, And what I had really been craving personally was just spiritual guidance and mentorship and people around me who've been in this for decades. And with my own like random mix of like dance and meditating at home and yoga, it just didn't feel like a spiritual path. And one of my friends was just like, well, why don't you try like go to church every week for a month and just see how it feels. And already I'm like, Ooh, like, should I join their community ministry program? Should I go to theology school? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because there's just this desire for a path. 
And even if I don't agree with everything on this path, it's a route to a form of contemplation that's more formalized. Sure. And, you know, according you know the synagogue that I'm going to, like, they believe that God comes from the community of people and you can change all the interpretations. Their slogan is kind of, is the, uh, the, the past has a vote, not a veto at the, in the, in reconstructionist Judaism. So it's like, you mm. know what, if you want to, you can influence that path. It's not, it doesn't, you know, in a lot of, uh, types of, um, ways of thinking about religion, it's not all set in stone. So, you know, that, and it's an opportunity to do that. Um, but I can't tell you just how much better I feel. Like, I feel like a piece of me that was missing is now not missing. My mm -hmm. anxiety is so much better because when I feel like, I'm sure a lot of folks can relate to this. When I don't have that place that like, I feel accepted and like, no matter what, especially being in a, in a, in a city that the culture is just so different. Like people are just kind of weird with me in Seattle. It's just where they're, you know, it's just like, oh God, this guy's so intense. It's, and people are not like that here. It's not New York. Um, when I know I have a place that I can go, my social anxiety is much less because otherwise, like I always feel like, oh, I'm just on the edge of isolation. I'm just on the edge of being cast away. If I say the wrong thing or if I'm a little too loud or if I'm a little too much, um, then I'm going to be alone again. And that's just mm. always in the back of my mind. And I, I haven't talked to a lot of patients about that, but I, I can imagine that that's a pretty common anxiety because, you know, people, you know, people, mental illness is still stigmatized. And if like, you know, we're just a little bit too much. We're all just kind of nervous. Oh, they're going to find out. But, I, you know, if you can find a place where you can be your whole self and be comfortable, for me, I'm able to take more risks socially. So I can yeah. do even more with those friendships because it doesn't all feel it doesn't all feel like it's all or nothing. You know, it's like this is my little shot of finding a friend. It's like, no, if this doesn't work out, I'm still going to go to synagogue. I'm still going to go in my volunteer community where we're helping people with chronic illnesses. We're still going to be doing all of this work. That's always going to be there for me. So now I can I can be a little bit more vulnerable in these other, you know, asks. Yeah. And also, I just want to emphasize how you're volunteering for people who are struggling with something that you are struggling with. Uh, like yeah. that's a thing like you, you mentioned adult children of alcoholics. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also in that. And oh really? Yes. So like emphasizing oh, cool. the helping other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the doing that, well, the, the, I mean, we, I'm sure this could be a whole podcast, but like figuring out how to be of service without being codependent, without doing codependent helping mm -hmm. is also a process. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's a night and day. When you volunteer for a thing where people want help and they're asking for volunteers versus you're just trying to help someone that you have decided <laughs> in your own vain your mind, own mind. <laughs> they need my help. Oh, my goodness. Is that, I mean, one, like, fills your soul of, like, like full of security and connection. And the other is just, like a struggle that you will never win, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and it's just always makes you feel just kind of bad. Um, so yeah, that, that, this is, this, it's something I'm thinking about a lot from, uh, ACA adult children of alcoholics for people who don't know. It's a 12 step program. That's like it within the 12 step world. It's kind of considered the grad school of 12 step world. Uh, but it's like, it's a very trauma informed. It's a circle of people supporting each other, 
all talking about childhood trauma and figuring out what's next in their lives. It's, it, I love that group. Of course, each individual group is going to be different, but I love that mm -hmm. program. Um, and if you so can't find a circle that they have their own Bible as well, not a real Bible, but like a big red book with, oh, yeah, I got the that red goes book. through all the 12 steps. So mm -hmm. even if you're just curious in the book and you don't want to go to the group, the book is like mind blowing shit. Mm. What have you found? Uh, give me some mind blowing shit before we go in the, in the red book. Well, I think honestly, it's a lot of stuff that, so right before I started, I read, uh, the drama of the gifted child. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of stuff that I'd also seen in drama of the gifted child of like realizing that a lot of the stuff that I was doing as an adult was directly tied to the ways that I was trying to please my parents as a kid. Uh, and that it's uh. just like, oh, yep. Like looking like zooming out at my relationships. It's like, oh, yeah, like this person is representing my dad. This person is representing my mom. This is the role that I have created for myself. And the, the kind of the crux of it and the thing that's so difficult, that was difficult for me to really accept was like, I've created a false version of myself. And I actually don't know who the real me is because I've never bothered to dig that deep before. And that's and a really you, scary process. I mean, that's a, I mean, this is the process I'm talking about exactly with the friendships because, you know, I find friends that are always a little bit unavailable because I grew up with addicts, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, and, and I, I came to the realization just like a few weeks ago that I was like, if someone's really healthy and available and wants to be my friend and like will support me. Like, I don't even think I, I see those people. <laughs> you yeah. You're like, wait, do those even exist? Yeah. Or, oh, or it's like, oh, that guy that's like really over eager and annoying. Like, I don't want to be friends with that person, you know? Oh so, yeah. Like... I totally had the exact same thing <laughs> where I'm like, what is wrong with them? Why do they like me so much? Yikes. Uh, so how'd you turn that around before? Uh, I mean, Eddie. this is a conversation that me and a few of my friends, because, like, we're all super into this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm still balancing between, like, some of my best friends, we all grew up in really similar situations, and we all have a similar attachment style. So it doesn't really bother us if one of us isn't checking in all the time. But at the same time... I still do have that tendency of like, oh, if someone's super eager to be my friend, I'm like, back the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not into this. Yeah. Uh, and I'm honestly, I don't know if it's just okay for me to be like, yeah, I don't want to be spending that much time with a friend. Like, I have my roommates who I live with. I spend a ton of time with them and I love them. And I've got like a few close friends. And the way that it's going is fine. Or if I'm just deluding myself and I could have a way deeper level of intimacy if I actually let myself be that deeply loved and committed to. And that's like connected to romantic relationships too. So yeah. we could go on forever about all this. We could. Yeah, I think we have a lot in common. Um, yeah. Especially with the gifted child stuff. That is, I was like in one of the first I don't know if it was the first, but first I was like in like the experimental New York City um, charter schools. And then we moved out to Long Island for like this experimental gifted program 
called LISG. And I will tell you, I've kept in touch with a lot of people. About half of them have severe mental illness. Like the connection between gifted children and mental illness is enormous. And that is something we will talk about um, another day. But before we go, <laughs> before yeah. we go, I want to tell everybody to buy Unlonely Planet. Review it on Amazon and then buy it yes. for all of your friends. Christmas and is coming up. And get them to review it Hanukkah. on Amazon. <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, this is a book that if you share with your friends will be even more powerful. So uh, buy a copy for yourself. Buy it for all your friends. Give it a give it away. Uh, but I want to play a game before we go. Great. Um, I'm gonna name a place where you might find community. And, and, and then you will, and we each have five seconds to do it, where you could just look where it's a possibility, where you might not expect it. I'll go, and the first person to run out of options or places to look loses. Okay, great. Okay, you ready? You want, you, uh, I'll go first. You ready? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, volunteer committee at the library. Go to a website called kinvite.com. Um, uh, Meals on Wheels volunteers. Go to a different website, deepin.co. <laughs> I think I'm a little out of my uh, element here, but because I'm just going off the top of my head and you know everything. Okay, my five <laughs> minutes starts now. Uh, the uh, nor uh, Animal League, your local animal rescue. Um, go to, there's an app called Deed, D-E-E-D. And it's a great way to find volunteering opportunities that are available that day. Um, you could go volunteer at your local sports, uh, like uh, either like uh, independent, like college baseball, AAA, <laughs> bowling league, whatever. You know, that's not like the biggest thing. Just like go see if they need some help. They probably need some help and then you'll be in it. Um, book clubs. Um, uh, cooking classes. Mm, oh, there's this thing called Mind Valley, which is kind of like a personal development-y conference, but they have meetups in a lot of cities around the country. So if you like personal development, look for a Mind Valley meetup. All right, Mind Valley meetup. Okay, I'm going to say I haven't even looked at it, but the Cuddle Puddle thing, you've, I've heard you talk about that. Yes. I kind of I want to try it. Uh, yes. I hear it's a I thing you can go find. I highly recommend it. It's called... So it's C-U-D-D-L-I-S-T. It's okay. called Cuddlist. Mm -hmm. um, it's so easy to make fun of it because it's like, what? This is a group of people getting together to cuddle. But it is the sweetest and best thing. Um, okay, now it's your turn. Okay, my turn. Uh... <laughs> Ooh, Farmer's Market. The people who work at Farmer's Markets are the shit. They're always lovely. Very nice. Okay, you already said this, but I'm going to say it just to put it in here. The Ecstatic Dance, it's a place you can go. Just be wild, and uh, you can go uh, meet people there. Also, Five Rhythms. They have Five Rhythms all over the world. All right, Five Rhythms. Um, I'm going to say um, there's, a few, there's a, a few places that help people with chronic illnesses. One is um, Catholic Services. Um, another is uh, Jewish Family Services. 
Um, both of those, if you wanted to connect with an older person or a person with chronic illness, you can just go hang out and play chess with them. They need volunteers all the time, all over the country, every city. If you want to go help somebody that's really, really lonely and is probably your elder because that's who they serve, a uh, great way to plug in. Mm. Okay. Um, a lot of towns have like places where people just gather to play board games. I don't know what the name of this type of place is called, but like a board game cafe. Those are good places. That's a good, yeah, a cafe, if you have a healthy Mm -hmm. cafe. Um, Let's see. Uh, (laughs) All right, I lose because I ran... You know, that was that was a fit. You know, I, I hung in there for a while. I think I did OK <laughs> since this is your thing. But I hope people got a few ideas and just start this brainstorm because, there's, you know, like like I talk about in recovery work for mental illness, my stuff is not going to be your stuff. Everybody mm-hmm. finds the things that work for them to keep them feeling good, to keep them grounded, to keep them, you know, emotionally healthy, keep their body healthy. Everyone's got a different part, a different type of exercise. The same thing is going to be with community. And this is, your book is like making me think totally different about this because your community piece is a piece that needs, I think, needs to be in everybody's self-care plan. Now we have a manuscript on how to get there. Um, so what works for me isn't going to work for you. I hope this brainstorm is helping you at home or in the car or on the subway to start to just get those gears going to think, okay, what's going to be working for me? Um, because, uh, your people are going to be your people. No one can tell you what that is. So keep thinking about it. Oh my God. I love this. I want to hear from people (laughs) if something is working for them. Can I, can I add my email? Please. So, uh, yeah, email. Where, where do people find you? Where, how do they sign up for Joylist? Give, uh, give us all the plugs because uh, we want to know. Great. So if you live in New York City and you want to subscribe to the Joylist, go to joylist.nyc. If you want to stalk me on the internet, you can go to thatjillian.com or I'm at thatjillian on all the things. Mm-hmm. And if you want to email me, because also I'm always really excited to meet people who want to host gatherings in other cities, because I'll be expanding eventually, you can email me at H-E-Y, hey, at joylist.nyc. Fantastic. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for doing this work. I really think, like, like I, I mean, I don't... I get excited about things, but I've really not been this excited. <laughs> like, I, I think, like, when, when – it depends where people are at, but I can really see when people, you know, first get in touch with me and they're like, I'm really dealing with depression. Like, usually I'm like, go get uh, Body Keeps a Score and find something that, you, you know, that, that, that resonates in there. I think, like, this book with Body Keeps the Score, like, this is a duo. Like, you got to get into your – because it's – one with the other you need to find your people if you can find your people you can find that community i wholeheartedly think all of the other therapy work and trauma work and like just mental health work you're doing is like exponential i really really think so so holy shit i will take that as a testimonial and put that in my heart for sure please put it on your website put it on your heart thank you so much (laughs) i really appreciate your time um and i hope we can talk again soon me too. All right. Thanks, Jillian. Bye. 
Could you tell that I had a, uh, a venti cold brew with no ice in that uh, conversation? I think you probably could. Mixed with a little bipolar too. Uh, so yeah, I got a, a text from Jillian as soon as I woke up. She said, oh, are we supposed to talk at 2 p.m. Eastern or Pacific? Of course it was Pacific, but... Oh, so I jumped up, ran a, ran a Starbucks, because I ran out of water in the tiny house. Zipped over to Starbucks. I was just like, I gotta go! And just drank this giant coffee. Usually I'm really careful with my coffee. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how I sleep tonight. But, um, you know, moral of the story is that even when you have some mastery in, in this thing, we slip up. We get a little too speedy sometimes. And we just, uh, for the rest of the day, I'm just going to kind of take it easy. Go a little slow. Try to chill out. Do uh, maybe work out some of the anxiety with my kettlebells. In this outside in the beautiful autumn air. Um, but yeah, what a great conversation. Um, what a great mind for this work. Um, Jillian... I really like if there was Oprah, <laughs> there's not still Oprah and there's not still stars like that. But I really think like if there was Oprah, I would be betting on Jillian for being like another like the next Dr. Phil. But we don't have that. Right. Like we don't have that mechanism to like make sure, you know, our emergent voices are supported anymore like that. Um, so. Because we don't have those systems to, like, make people stars and make people, like, you know, figure out how to support their books and stuff, we got to do it DIY in this new landscape. So please support her work. Please support, um, go to wherever you buy books, buy on Lonely Planet, buy it for your friends, review it on Amazon, um, review it a few times on Amazon. I didn't say that. Don't review it a few times. If you have a, if you have your, if you have like your parents' Amazon account, whatever you do, don't use that account to review Jillian's book. Just don't do it. That would just not be fair. If you have uh, your partner's Amazon account, like you know, you have an account, and then maybe your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or or, or your your sweetie's uh, Amazon account is like open. Whatever you do. Don't say, hey, hey, hon, um, do you mind if I just use your Amazon account to uh, review a book, uh, my friend's book? Just don't do that. Don't do that. That wouldn't be right. Um, just one, one review per person. I don't want to give you any ideas, but in, at the same time, I will tell you we got to do whatever we can to support um, these voices. And Jillian is a voice that I think is just so important right now. Um, especially, you know, how many authors do we have talking about mental illness that are like guys at the end of their lives, right? Who are not really connected to the internet, who are not really connected to the culture of our times. You know, I love Gabor Mate. I love Bessel van der Kolk, right? Th these people are great thinkers, in the trauma space, but it is time for another generation to have their voices be heard. Um, we've learned so much from that generation, but at the same time, they don't really know what it's like to live in this uh, in this new world. You know, these folks aren't online all the time. They're not in that. You know, they weren't. 
they can speak to the overstimulation and isolation from a distance, but they're not in it. We need more people that are in it. And um, if we don't support these voices, uh, you know, they go away. People get uh, day jobs. So do whatever you can uh, to support Jillian's work. Um, and at the same time, do what you can to support our work over here at Mental Health Media. Um, you can go to the website, mentalhealthmedia.org. Subscribe to all of our socials and uh, subscribe to our newsletter and uh, throw a shekel in the hat. Um, all donations uh, to our project because we are a, uh, a fiscally sponsored project of the Northwest Film Forum. Um, they're tax write-offable, so you get a break at the end of the year. So if you got $5, if you got $10, if you got $100 um, or more, you know, just know that your impact, you can get a, a little bit more uh, impact for your dollar, you know, because you get a break at the end of the year. Um, so uh, that said, a little bit of uh, thank yous to people who helped uh, bring you the podcast today. Um, uh, Tom Trottier, thank you, Tom. Um, uh, Patrick Mohan, thank you, Patrick. Tamara Broadhead helped uh, bring you the, uh, the podcast today. And uh, thank you to all of our GoFundMe supporters. Um, AV, thank you so much. Ivan, really appreciate you. Uh, Phil, thanks for your very generous support. Patricia, thank you. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. Colin, appreciate your support. Marilyn, thank you. Alex, bro, bra, bra, thank you, bra. Uh, Jim, appreciate your help. Stuart, thank you for helping make mental health media a reality. David, I appreciate your help. Thank you. Judy, um, thanks for, uh, thanks for supporting this work here. Um, Stephen, thank you. Um, Patrick, thank you so much, Patrick. Appreciate your help. help. Stephanie, thank you, Stephanie, for uh, contributing. Really appreciate you. Tim, you're very generous. Handy, handy, handy. I think I know who Handy is. Somebody wrote Handy House. I think I know who you are, Handy House. And I think you're someone that might be listening to the end of the podcast. Um, but they want to be anonymous. So Handy House, thank you, Handy House. I might never know who you are, but uh, thank you. Jeannie, thank you so much. Bob, I appreciate you. Jackie, thank you. Sophia, give me a shout, Sophia. Where are you, Sophia? Give me a shout, Johnny. What? Uh, Johnny is a good man. Johnny uh, Johnny was a guy that I went, uh, that I sat at lunch with in junior high school um, after being bullied by a lot of fucking asshole guys. I went against went to sit with Johnny. Johnny and Jeremy said, hey. Come over, brah. Come hang out with the drama kids. Don't you don't have to sit to hang out with those mean guys. So uh, I will always love a Johnny. Um, Chip and Nads. Thank you, Chip and Nads. Frank, thanks for your support, Frank, and always be in there. Appreciate you. If you'd like to be on the names listed at the end of the podcast, um, Everyone that uh, gives $50 or more be listing for three months on the podcast. That's about 12 podcasts, as long as I can get them four done a month. It's, it's about an average, probably. Could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less. If you give uh, $100 or more, we'll, have, we'll read your name for a whole year. Um, so 
however many podcasts we can make in a year, we're going to thank you at the end for your generosity. Plus, you get a tax write-off. So um, it's a win-win, and, uh, and you get to support mental health education. Um, that's really unique that uh, you know really delves into all of the ways there are to recover from mental illness that people don't know about. You know, I've been thinking about this problem a lot, and the simplest solution that I can figure out um, to the suicide epidemic is just using the stuff that we know works. We're not even doing that. That's how, that's how level one we are at with this problem. So, numero uno, let's use what we know works. Oh, my goodness. It's frustrating and exciting at the same time because... Uh, Because, you know, it's frustrating because there's a lot of people suffering right now that if they got the help that they, that they needed, that if they, you know, that maybe they could get if they just knew that there were other options available, you know, maybe they would feel a lot better. It's exciting because there's a lot of people suffering right now that if we can just get the word out, they're going to feel a lot better. And... Um, that's really exciting. So help us do that. Mentalhealthmedia.org. We've got a GoFundMe that is live. Or you can go straight to the GoFundMe. GoFundMe.com slash mentalhealthmedia. If that's easier for you, um, that works as well. Thanks so much again to Jillian Richardson. Go by Unlonely Planet. Did I say that enough? Um, probably not. Um, and then also our disclaimer, don't make any changes to your treatment plan. Nothing on the podcast is medical advice or medical care. you got to talk to your healthcare practitioner before you make any changes. Um, and I don't just say that because I don't want to be legally responsible. I'm not a doctor. I have my ideas based on, you know, the, uh, the, my own path, but, uh, no patient who's just a patient who's been through the system is going to know everything that a doctor needs to know. And I will be the first one to admit that I don't know. I don't have medical training. I don't know how to deal with people who are uh, in crisis. I don't know uh, all of the resources. Patients have fantastic perspective, and they can help you get, uh, you know, they can help you um, figure out the system. They can give you new ideas. Patient, um, you know, patient insight is huge, and I think people really do need it, but it's not a replacement. Um, it's not a replacement for, for getting a diagnosis. It's not a replacement for getting um, proper treatment. It's not a replacement that, you know, if you do want to make a big change, you know, listening to podcasts and being on social media is not a replacement for figuring out how to, you know, change your treatment. If you do that by yourself, you're going to get hurt. I've tried to do it by myself and I've gotten hurt. So I really, really encourage you um, to take care of yourself and, uh, part of taking care of yourself is working with people who know what they're doing, um, before you make any changes to your treatment plan. Um, that said, you know, always find me on Twitter. That's, uh, my main social, uh, twitter.com slash Zookman, Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N, at Zookman, at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Um, that's where I post all day. I do research every day to bring you the best articles, the newest articles, the most interesting articles um, on uh, emerging uh, mental health research and also sharing just the best patients on the planet. I think I think I have been, become friends with all of the best patients, you know, uh, on Twitter. If you're an amazing patient and you're listening to this, friend me on Twitter because I need to know about you. But, you know, I got to be honest, I'm a little bit... Uh, 
I'm I'm a little bit uh, prejudiced because the people that I follow on Twitter and I retweet on Twitter and I connect with on Twitter are just such great people. I have met so many great people on Twitter um, that, uh, you know, I really recommend it. Not a, Twitter's not for everybody. I get it, right? But uh, the little group that I've been able to find um, really works for me, and I am happy to share it with you. Just uh, give me a shout. Give me a follow. If you follow me and I see you're a patient, I'm going to follow you back. If I forget to do that, just give me a shout. Send me, my DMs are open. So you can just send me a message. You can say, hey, Jesse, I saw I listened to the podcast. Uh, I liked it. I didn't like it. I want to see this. I want to see that. You can do that. It's right there, right there. Just sign up for a Twitter account. Send me a message. Bada bing, bada boom. Um, with that said, uh, take care of yourselves this week. Check in with each other. You know, give yourself a little bit of space just for whatever you need to be feeling right now. So until next week, have a great one. Zai Gesundz.